This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by rockauto.com. You know, friends, there are many reasons to stay on top of your car's maintenance, but one of them is so you can save money and use that money for things you much rather use it for, like mortgage or food or trips. But why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership? You see, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are always the same for everybody, and guess what? They're always reliably low. rockauto.com offers the lowest possible prices rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake pads all the way to tail lamps and motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or daily driver get everything you need in just a few easy clicks just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and do this for us would you write locked on in there how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com Auto.com. And now let's start the show. White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow! Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead. There goes number 400 for Big Brad Burns. takes a perfect game. His second no hitter. You can't put it on the board. Yeah! Can it go? Grand slam. The White Sox winner and a world championship. Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked on Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. This is Herb Lawrence. With me, as always, is Chris Tannehill. Oof. Doubleheader sweep by the Cardinals, who have been off for three damn weeks. Chris, how you doing? Well, I'll tell you how I'm doing, Herb. That was five-plus hours of my life that I'll never get back. And, you know, usually in baseball, you have a doubleheader, and most teams are usually content to just split, but not the White Sox in 2020. This is the second time they've lost both games of a doubleheader. First time, of course, on the, on the 28th of July in Cleveland, they lost both games. And now today, they lose both games to the Cardinals, who came to Chicago in a caravan of rental cars. Meanwhile, the White Sox slept in their own beds last night, only to produce this just piss-poor effort today. Uh, both sides, you know, offense, defense, p- pitching um, was a little shoddy today. But let's just start with game one. You have Lucas Giolito on the mound. And you're thinking you're looking you're thinking pretty good. You know, you got your ace out there. Granted, Cardinals had their ace as well. But Giolito has a rough go in that first inning. He gives up four runs. It was a really rough, rough inning. And he gets the leadoff walk to Wong, which is never good. You get you're injecting life in a team that hasn't played in two and a half weeks. You got the leadoff walk. And then you have the Tommy Edmonds single. You have the back to back hit by pitch. All of a sudden it's one nothing quickly, and now you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Dexter Fowler hits that jam shot bloop into left field at three nothing quickly. Then you have the Kinzer RBI four nothing. So you're in a four nothing hole 
to a team who basically they're, they're as rusty as can be. And of course, they have Wainwright going for them. They sh- he shuts the door one, two, three, right in the middle, like aces do to end the bottom of the first. And that was pretty much the story of that game there. But a lot of people early on on social media want to immediately point the finger at Yasmani Grandal for Lucas Giolito's rough goes in the first inning. And really, uh, it's it's merely anecdotal because this was the first thing I decided to look at today when, when I started doing the, uh, the prep work for the pod as the game kind of progressed on. So Giolito only had the one other rough first inning start, and that was the 24th opening day against the Twins. And Grandal caught that one, but Grandal also caught Giolito's outing on the 29th, no runs in the first. Uh, he caught his outing on the 4th of August, no runs in the 1st. Uh, then McCann catches him on the 9th, and then Grandal catches him uh, today on the 15th. So McCann's only caught him once this year, and all of a sudden the White Sox social media, uh, I guess, uh, contingent is is lobbying for James McCann to be Lucas Giolito's personal catcher. Now, I, I told you in a text message it's a lot more fun if we can disagree on something like this. But I have a feeling you're not going to disagree. I, I think this is squarely on Lucas Giolito just going out there and not executing his pitches. What do you think? That's 100% the problem. Uh, it's always, no matter what the catcher puts down, and let's before we even go further, Yasmani Grandel, one of the best catchers in the game, especially as far as framing. You saw later in that first game him stealing a couple strikes for Lucas Giolito. So... People saying this whole personal catcher thing, it's ridiculous, firstly. And secondly, they're comparing it to last year. Yeah, the choice were James McCann or Wellington goddamn Castillo. So calm fuck down. I think that was his player's nickname uh, on his jersey. (laughs) Goddamn Castillo. I think I remember that. But anyway, but to your point, so Grandal, when he was in L.A., I decided to look at it. I was like, okay, so did did anyone have, like, career years? Did he catch any Cy Young Award winners? Even though knowing full well that Grandal is one of the best pitch framers, he's one of the best at, at keeping the offense at bay when they're on the base paths. So I looked it up. No Cy Young Award winners when Grandal was in L.A., but he did have all-stars in Kershaw, Zach Greinke, Kenley Jansen, and Alex Wood. That's from 2015 to 2018. So this is not a Grandal problem. No, not at all. And so, yeah, this is just uh, – I don't know why people just you know put one thing and they see the other thing and like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah. The reason why this 27-year-old pitcher – is losing or not pitching well is because this all-star catcher is here and he's not the all-star catcher that Giolito wants. It's the other all-star catcher that Giolito wants. No, it's Giolito. It's the pitcher's responsibility. If the catcher puts down the wrong number or the number that he doesn't like, it's Giolito's job to say, no, I want another number. Let's do a different pitch and deliver a better pitch. He's the one who walked. Uh, Colton Wong to start the game. He's the one who hit Matt Carpenter. He's the one who walked a bunch of other guys in and gave up that hit to Dexter Fowler. Those are not Grandal's problems. All that first inning was on Giolito. So I don't want to hear any more of that trash. It's just excuses for, yes, he is one of our best pitchers, probably our best pitcher, and I'm sure White Sox fans want to give him all the excuses they want for him not performing. But today, it's all on him, and I don't know if he did a press conference in between games. I'm sure he did. I'm guaranteeing him saying, that was on me. 
I messed up. He did. And yeah, he said he couldn't spot the fastball, which which we know from watching the game. So Giolito's not going to bust toss anyone. He's going to take ownership, but it, it's got to be better, especially you know going up against a team like that. You have to be in a position to pounce on them and bury them early because they're just getting their baseball bearings under them. They're just getting their baseball legs under them. They haven't played in two and a half weeks. They, they had two guys making their big league debut today. The Sox were heavy favorites in Vegas, but as Theo Epstein once said, Baseball is designed to torture you. And that's what the White Sox did today. They tortured us for, for two games. Granted, there were only seven inning games. But I think when I look at this team, just zooming out a little bit before we get into this offense, which was horrendous today on, on both games, I think the, just the one word for this team is inconsistent. How, what's your one word to sum up this team so far? Frustrating. Just like that first game. They have talent. And I don't, you know, Wainwright probably be hollow very good pitcher when all is said and done but they didn't have good at bats versus this guy at all there was three hits in that first game two by danny mendick a rookie second baseman wasn't even supposed to play this much this year because it was supposed to be nick magical or louis garcia they're both on the il right now and Danny Mendick is making the most of his opportunity. He's having the best of bats of anyone on the team right now consistently, like going on for mm-hmm. a week straight here. And he honestly, he could be a St. Louis Cardinal. <laughs> like just watching him out there, you know, mm-hmm. he, he seems like a, a typical Cardinals player. Like who is this guy? He has just a great approach, doesn't try to overswing. Uh, in fact, so much so that he, uh, he, he, he had the radar up of Peter Gammons. I don't know if you saw Gammons tweet about Danny Mendick today. But he goes, folks should remember that part of Danny Mendick's UMass Lowell tradition is not only Mike Lavalier, Spanky, and Mike's teammate, Mike Bryant, Chris's dad, and a very talented player. I don't think Ted Williams shared Mike Bryant's love of Jerry Garcia. I don't know. I don't know where that's from, but <laughs> but I would imagine that. Yeah, the the secret Mexican Ted Williams. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. But yeah, continue on. So Danny Mendick right now is our only. It's it's your shining star offensively. And let me check my stats here. Yes, that's not good. <laughs> yes, t- and he has made a clothing line with twenty second round. That's what his clothing line. I think it is called. Yes, yes. Because that's when he was drafted and. He has been grinding, and to Nipsey Russell, Nipsey Russell, Nipsey Hustle's <laughs> birthday, thirty fifth birthday, rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. So grinding all his life, he's been doing all that stuff. He's hustling, he's sacrificed. So that's why he looks like the best because he's actually having these professional bats that Dallas Keuchel had spoke about. And the other hit was by Luis Robert. A rocket double in the bottom of the seventh, which the end of the game pretty much cashed in. So. They lose that first game three to one, just lifeless. I mean, not three to one. They lose that first game five to one. Sorry, um, just lifeless and nothing really exciting about the whole day. Firstly, but that first game especially was just ugh. I I, I just I don't know. Like, wh- how can you not get up for a game like that? It seemed like yes, four to nothing. It's tough to be in a hole initially, but you have seven more innings to go. You have Adam Wainwright on the mound throwing these lollipops up there. Let's 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 do a grinding ass at bat. Let's stop looking at strike three down the pipe. Let's file those things off. Let's protect on 0-2 or or two with two strikes. It's just none of that stuff was going on today. It's just so frustrating because you know they have the talent. It's not the teams of the past where they're just bad and it's bad baseball because they're bad players. These are good hitters just not executing and that's the frustrating part so game one Julita goes five innings 
six hits, five runs, four of them earned, two walks, five Ks. Adam Wainwright gets the win, five innings pitch, two hits, one run, three walks, three Ks. Um, overall, 15 ground ball outs today out of the possible 42 outs the White Sox had to work with in the two games and seven innings. 15 ground ball outs today. We'll get to more of that in a second as we break down game two, but not before a word from CBD MD. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a pro athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or maybe even a podcaster like us. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our good friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets a little chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover is a product that combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBMD has to offer, they're offering you guys, our Locked On Sox listeners, 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, and the promo code is LOCKEDONMLB, and that'll get you 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. All right, so game two, the White Sox are losers, 6-3 to three, uh, at the hands of the Cardinals. They dropped both ends of the doubleheader today. Uh, let's start with the good. Matt Foster got the ball today, and we talked about him in that last episode uh, in Detroit. Uh, it was the second, it was that first victory in Detroit, but Matt Foster looked good today, didn't he? Looked excellent. He just continued exactly what we've been seeing. Uh, fastball command was there, changeup was filthy, had hitters off balance in the two innings that he was out there. I can tell that the Cardinals were having uncomfortable at-bats versus Matt Foster. Firstly, stuff is great, locating where he needs to. Secondly, they don't have a book on him, so that also works in his advantage. But he's taking advantage of those things. Some people don't. But kudos to Matt Foster going the two innings that he did, subsequently uh, getting replaced by Cody Hoyer. Fastball, just electric. That one where he had 98-mile-per-hour fastball that looked like it was about to hit Matt Carpenter then snuck over the – uh, plate filthy. I mean, those two guys showed exactly what you need to do when you're doing this bullpenning game. Just get strikes, pour strikes over the middle, and see what the other team can do. Because the Cardinals, while talented, I never felt like threatened by their offense in any way. Like Goldschmidt is the guy, and he rocketed that home run off of Birdie, but. Otherwise, like when we play him tomorrow, I don't think he's going to do anything versus Dallas Keuchel. I don't think any of these guys are going to do anything off of Dallas Keuchel tomorrow. It's up to the offense to help Dallas tomorrow. But that second game, yeah, we got uh, some some help offensively finally. Yeah, but it, it's still not what it needs to be. Uh, let's let's continue on with the, with the pitching today, which was okay up until uh, Evan Marshall got in there. Uh, Cody Hoyer, one innings pitch, one walk, one K. He holds the line. Zach Birdie, you mentioned, one innings pitched, one hit, one walk, one strikeout, of course, giving up the home run to Paul Goldschmidt, but that's happened before. And then uh, Evan Marshall comes in, and this inning was just a, a disaster. And we'll we'll start by your guy, Schrock. He got his first major league hit today, but only because but that no was off Cordero, though. Okay, right. So that was off Cordero. Cordero comes in and, and tries to hold the line. He just, you know, he couldn't quite get the job done. But let's start the, the beginning of the inning. So Schrock comes in, gets his first major league hit, but only because Nomar Mazar was out there dogging it. I don't know if he was hoping that 
Luis Robert was going to come in and save the day, but that's totally Mazzara's ball. Let's it drop in front of him, and the whole inning changes from there. Do you you think he should have had that one? A hundred percent. It's a guy making his first start. The ball was in the air for it seemed like forever. You're not playing Mr. Max Strock very deep because he doesn't have that much pop. The ball was in the air for any competent right fielder to catch, call off his right fielder and his second baseman. That's my ball. And, yeah, he was looking for other people to get the ball instead of aggressively going after the ball. Adam Eaton, that's a can of corn. 100% that's a can of corn or any other regular-ass right fielder. But, yeah, Mazzara, so far, what he's done, I don't see it. Yeah, he's only 25. Thanks, Rick Hahn. But he's a bad 25. Absolutely. So the inning changes completely there. Jimmy Guns does get the ground ball. Um, that's nearly a double play, but – uh, Bader barely beats it out after a replay showed that that it looked like a tie, and I was surprised they overturned that one. That's that's rarely overturned, especially when they make the call out on the field, but then they overturn it to safe when it's clearly a, a tie at best after they review it. Were you surprised that they overturned that call? I was not because I thought on the live feed it was he was safe. Just I just saw that his foot maybe the cleats got down before the ball went to the back of Jose Abreu's glove. Uh, I thought he was safe like right before they went to the replay. I was like, this is going to be overturned. So I had a different perspective in that regard because uh, maybe I'm a pessimistic White Sox fan. I'm expecting <laughs> everything to be uh, against us. So initially I was like, yeah, he's safe. It looked like um, a bang-bang play, and, and it was good good execution by, I think, who was it? Uh, Cordero was a marshal at that time to get uh, – a Bader to roll over into that double play inducing uh, ground ball, but then Bader just with that wheels and gets the job done. Absolutely. Eventually they did get him on that double play later in the game, but, but back to that, that disastrous uh, fifth inning for the White Sox. So we mentioned, you know, it, the whole thing changes after that bloop drops in that you give the team an extra out. So Tommy Edmonds hit by the pitch and then, a uh, wild pitch pass ball. They, I believe they called it a pass ball on McCann, but the official scoring says wild pitch, moving uh, Bader to third and Tommy Edmond to second. Then Matt Carpenter grounds out, making it three to two. And then all of a sudden, Evan Marshall comes in and he does not retire a soul. You get the single from Goldschmidt, tying it at three. And then Tyler O'Neill homers, uh, line drive to left field, making it five to three. Brad Miller singles. Dylan Carlson doubles his first major league hit. And then out goes. Evan Marshall, in comes Jace Fry, and the game was pretty much a wrap at that point, making it 5-3. to three. Cardinals would tack another one on late, making it 6-3, to three, and, and that's how they would win today. Final score, and it was just an ugly day. Moncada, I believe he's in a, currently in a 7-for-41 slump, and we talked about it in the last episode. He just doesn't look right out there. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him get the day off tomorrow. But now it's a it's a situation where it's almost a must win tomorrow. They're all must wins, but tomorrow in particular, I, do you think you'll see him get a day off tomorrow? I do not think because they gave him the day off on Wednesday, been off Thursday, Friday, and now these two games today. I think he'll still play. Yeah, he probably needs it because he's been slumping and possibly just nursing an injury. But I want to go back to Evan Marshall. I don't think – I mean, he didn't have a good outing today, but the runner was on third today with Paul Goldschmidt up. Two outs, so you have the opportunity to just walk him and go against the rookie O'Neal and just say, okay, Evan Marshall, veteran, let's go with the lead still at that time. The White Sox still had the lead um, before when 
before Goldschmidt batted, walk Goldschmidt, and then see what O'Neill can uh, bring to the table. I would have loved that matchup much more. Ricky didn't feel that was a advantageous matchup. And so um, it's a second guess kind of, but I'm 100% going to go against a guy I don't know than an all-star guy that's probably going to the Hall of Fame at the end of his career and Paul Goldschmidt to just single up the middle and give them the tie of the game. So I think that was a mistake on Ricky's part. I, you can fault Evan for the pitch. It was a high fastball that didn't get high enough, but also that's a professional hitter that I know was going to do some damage when the, uh, the chips are stacked against him. Absolutely. And, you know, Evan Marshall just had a bad day today. And I, I, we talked about Evan Marshall, high leverage reliever, and how long that was going to be able to sustain. And I don't think it's going to be for very long. I certainly tip my cap to him for all the work he's done early on here, here in the season. But they're really missing Aaron Bummer out there. And this season feels like it's slipping away. Um, not because of the, all the pitching injuries, but it's certainly you're starting to see the effects of all those injuries. And in the bullpen, the starting rotation, everyone is, is thrown off a little bit and everyone is a little bit taxed right now because of all the injuries. But I feel like it's slipping away because of this, this feeble offense. They're prone to slumps and they elicit way too much weak contact. You look at Abreu in the sixth inning um, to end the inning. He's got the 3-0 green light, which, look, I... I, I, I'm I'm fairly progressive in that regard. I don't mind a 3-0 green light, but it's got to be one that's that's right over the cock for you if at 3-0 green light. But the one he swung at was out of the zone, swings mm-hmm. at ball four, and just and just meekly ends the inning. Uh, just this this offense, and I, I don't even know where to begin. Like, the, but the Nomar Mazara thing, it's just it's insanely frustrating, and he's going to bear the brunt of, of the ire of White Sox fans because he, he's always going to have that negative stigma attached to him because. He was the first, you know, underwhelming acquisition of the offseason that was supposed to be a huge offseason that turned out to still be okay uh, in terms of the acquisitions. But no, the Nomar Mazara thing, I just he's just not providing anything for you. And, you know, he'll occasionally draw a walk, but he's not making any any hard contact out there whatsoever. And if you're not going to play defense for me and try out there, I don't know what you do for me. Are you ready now to, to say you're worried about Nomar Mazara? Because a, a few episodes ago, you were not ready to worry. I, I think I'm starting to panic a little bit. Yeah, I you know I gave him the shot for just doing uh, the bare minimum. Maybe he uh, could snap out of it, but it's the third of the season's gone, and he hasn't played all the games. But still, I haven't seen what Rick Hahn has seen out of this Nomar Mazzara guy. Struck out to end the game one, and I remember there was a sequence where I believe Robert got a hit, and then the next guy walked. And then Roberts, I mean, Mazara's up there swinging first pitch, weekly grounds off the second base to end the inning. Like, sequence. Like, you see the what's going on in the game, the situation in the game, what the Sox need. The guy is on the ropes. He's out here walking people and hitting other guys. Like, can we you know, take a pitch? Can we see what he's going to offer? Can we wait for your pitch to drive it? Something like that. Have an approach to get something done and yes he the result is not the end-all be-all but the approach is terrible he is not doing what he the 500 foot home run Nomar Mazar and the 20 home runs per game which I think averages out what to eight nine in a 60 game season we haven't seen any this man has just been bad the whole time and the lackluster effort he had on that pop fly shows it there we don't expect him to be a gold glove right fielder, but we expect him to make the routine catches and provide something 
anything with the bat, and he hasn't done that as yet. I am, yeah, now at least I would get a 100% effort and a professional effort out of Adam Engel. I'm ready for him to play the majority of the games in right field if need be. Yeah, it's really slipping away in that regard. I, I give Mazzara one more chance tomorrow. They've got Dakota Hudson going for them tomorrow for the Cardinals. So he's 0-1, uh, 8-3-1 earn run average. So, of course, that means he's due to snap out of it tomorrow. But that's one more opportunity against a right-handed pitcher to, to sort of right the ship a little bit before you're in must-win mode uh, and you need to go to angle. So I, I'm willing to give him one more day tomorrow until – you uh, you give him some time on the bench um, and and see where it goes from there. But yeah, I'm right there with you with Engel. I think he provides a spark offensively and defensively because at least he'll he'll give you a threat of of taking you deep once in a while. He'll run into one like we talked about, and he's improved in that regard. I I, I do like the at bats I see from Engel, and of course the defense is outstanding out there. You know you you can you can make do with that, and especially if, for a guy who's not going to go out there and try to get that fly ball like Mazzara did. He's not gonna gonna go all out. And you know, granted, people get hurt that way going all out when you're when you're charging at a second baseman. But you got to take charge out there, man. Like this is not your first. He's not a rookie out there. He's played enough right field where he should know that situation. So I am not uh, particularly happy with Nomar Mazar right now. I'm not happy with anything really today because I spent the entire day watching the White Sox. So I don't know anyone that is happy right now. But um, yeah, it felt like goddamn work. Like I yes. wanted to go to like I felt like I wanted to go to sleep in the afternoon, not just because the White Sox are boring as shit. Because also, it's a sleepy, nice Saturday afternoon. I wanted to grab a quick 30, 40 minutes, but I had to stay up and watch that bullshit <laughs> for five hours plus. Look and at us. Yeah, it was Look garbage. at us, media complaining. <laughs> we're, 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 we're typical media complaining about watching baseball. Look at us. We've become everything that we loathe. But it's hard not to, it's hard not to turn this way when you watch the Sox, man. Just absolutely brutal. Uh, you know, my, my parting thought today is, uh, you know, I... I it feels like it's slipping away, like I said, and hopefully Sox can get back in the win column tomorrow and salvage this. And, you know, it, it, I was looking at it a lot of different ways, but part of it is like maybe this is the worst time to catch the Cardinals because they're super fresh and, you know, they're, they've got, they can line up anything how they want. And they're all, I'm sure, anxious to get out there and play. And I'm sure they're all just thrilled to be out there playing. Uh, they probably feel like they've got a, a second life, a, a new lease on life in their baseball world. So this may be the worst time to catch them. But as I think it was Stoney alluded to it in the broadcast, you know, by the time they're through with the Cubs, who is a relent, there that's a relentless offense that that'll make you work. And all those double headers they've got to play against the Cubs, it might be a different team altogether. So maybe it's just bad luck that they're playing the Cardinals now. But one funny thing on that replay that was overturned. Uh, two-thirds of the guys, there was, there was two umpires and one video personnel guy, two of the three of them had the masks on but not covering the nose. <laughs> did Just you notice jerks. that? <laughs> I did not. And I then later in the game, when they when they did a review later in the game, they, they had the nose covered. So I think they oh, said in, the, in the headset, like, hey, I'm going to need you to uh, not be a risk out there. Thanks, guys. You cover up that <laughs> nose for me. Thanks. All right, break. Going back to your point about the Cardinals having this, all this time off, I would usually say, okay, that makes sense, and yeah, they're fresh as hell, and that is a detriment to the White Sox. But the White Sox have had off three days themselves, so I don't know if they shouldn't be fresh as hell, should be uh, charged up because they haven't had a couple days of playing. Like, they played on Wednesday, haven't played Thursday or Friday. They're fresh as hell themselves. Like, if they had played last night or flew back in from Detroit on Thursday, maybe I'll give them that excuse, but 
those some bitches have been, had a nice rest themselves. So I expect more out of them. That is the frustrating part about it. If this was a bad team, if this was the 2018 White Sox, yes, I'll be mad, but also I'll be like, okay, this is a building team. The team is not there yet. They have bad players on their team. I don't think the White Sox have necessarily bad players, except for the Nomar Mazara trash. They have good hitters. They have people who put up numbers. They're just playing bad. Yasmani Grandal has not hit yet. Uh, James McCann didn't hit today, but he is hit. He's like the only one so far that's you know hitting over expectations as of yet. And Timmy he's hitting. He's hitting without the playing time, without the consistent mm-hmm. playing time. He's out there hitting. You know, this team it it reeks of two thousand three. Um, I think they will hit eventually, but this this they're just dead ass right now. And this this team looks and smells like a team. And I'm, and I'm not trying to blame this on Ricky. I'm just saying this looks where it's pointing to. I know we said that they probably won't make a change in season, but I think as, you know whatever happens here, if the Sox fall short of the expanded playoffs, I think it's going to be Ricky. It's going to be the one that's going to be on the way out because this team has too much talent. And this te- this seems like a team where all of a sudden you give them that new manager bump, and all of a sudden it starts clicking for a lot of these guys and all of a sudden they see what accountability looks like and and i think ricky's going to be the scapegoat here and he doesn't have many options out there you know people were criticizing those bullpen moves today you know we we talked about it a little bit but as a whole he doesn't have a lot of options out there and he can't tell the guys hey could you go out there and maybe hit today as opposed to not hitting okay let's let's have a team meeting (laughs) you know so but this team it reminds me a lot of that oh three team and those talented Sox teams or the early 2000s under Jerry Manuel that just, you know, they had the talent, but they were just underwhelming year after year, and it wasn't until they got Ozzie Guillen in there uh, where all of a sudden their full potential was realized. But, yeah, I'm not saying bring back Ozzie Guillen at this point. I would love it professionally, personally. I don't know if it's the best Great. team for this team in this era, though. Maybe we'll get to that later on. But, yeah, this, this, this team is just totally underwhelming right now and underachieving, and that's the worst type of baseball to watch on a day-in-day basis. And I to speak to your point, we got the news yesterday that the Bulls fired Jim Boylan. I know my point earlier in episodes was, well, they're not going to fire Ricky Renteria because they haven't even fired a guy who's obviously terrible on the Bulls because they're trying to hold up to some money. Now that's out of the door. That's out the window. Maybe, maybe, just maybe the change will be made in season or after the season where Ricky Renteria will be replaced by somebody they think is competent and somebody who's a little bit better because there's something not happening. And, you know, I always speak about managers not mattering and wins and losses, but energy level, something, uh, the excitement for your teammates, I damn thing sounds like a Morgan there when they're hitting home runs. I can't hear people like getting excited and maybe that's on the effects, Mike. No, it's maybe not. Maybe they really are. Because you remember what it sounded like for the Twins on opening night, if you can remember oh, that yeah. in your mind. We didn't make a big deal of it at the time because we didn't know in context if it, if it was going to be something that mattered. But you watch that. Go back and watch that first inning against the Twins on opening night, and you hear all the cheering in that dugout. Go watch any Cub game right now, the way they're playing. I know they. I think they lost today and they lost yesterday, but just in general, just look at look at their dugout and look at the White Sox dugout and, and look at the Twins dugout and, and other teams. Like you know, it just it's not the same. And you can say that's not quantifiable and it doesn't matter. And you know, energy on the dugout doesn't elicit more runs and better at bats. You know, but 
you know, all that stuff, man. It's just, uh, it's, it's the vibes, babe, as Matt Spiegel would say. And it's just the vibes are just not there. And naturally, it's going to look that way when you're not hitting. I understand that. But they're just, it, they're just, they appear dead. That's all I can say. And they don't have a good record at home. I, what are they won like three games at home? If that, I think, yeah. What are they two and ten now after today? Okay, yeah. So this is the this is the thing. Maybe they feel better and more camaraderie on the road because they got to stay in their hotels. They have to provide their own entertainment with each other. So they have to meet up with each other and have a little conversation with each other. Now they just have to go home and shower and then stay at home and then come back to the ballpark the next day. So maybe there is something to say about, hey, the Cubs, what they're doing out there with David Ross, providing energy on the bench, cheering for your teammates, the Minnesota Twins, same thing. That vibe is out there. They feel electric. They feel like that team is going to win because, you know, you know, you just you have the energy to do so. It just seems like a lifeless team. And it's like, oh, there's another at bat. We're going to swing at balls out of the zone, or we're going to take a pitch right down the middle, or we're not going to battle. And, this, you know, the same thing. And that, 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 that lull is just hanging over the team. I feel it all over. And like you said, I don't know if that's quantifiable. I don't know if it's even real, but that's just how I feel. And it seems like you too. Well, I mean, you know, you go back to, you know, we, we, we ingest a lot of Cubs content and hear a lot of what. You hear, you hear from the Cubs brass and things like that, but Theo Epstein, who was second mentioned in the podcast today, was just he was he was adamant about you. Look, it's the same roster. It's not even like the roster from this 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 Cubs roster. If you watch them, it's a, it's a worse roster in terms of their pitching depth. But yet still, you know, basically they're they're closer. They just had to say, hey man, sorry, we can't use you here. And they're still they've got the best record in baseball, I believe. You know, after even after the past couple of days setbacks, but he was adamant. And you know, David Ross came in and addressed issues that had been going on for years. He said, and he was so passionate. And you never hear someone as smart as, as Theo Epstein and, and someone as well-respected as him sort of go back and retroactively bust-toss someone else, especially someone like Joe Madden who had success. And I'm a huge Joe Madden fan. But it goes to show you sometimes the message gets lost or it just doesn't get translated at all. And maybe uh, it's one of those things where we're seeing here, maybe all of a sudden they make a change and you're like, man, I can't believe this is the same team. I hope it doesn't get to that. It shouldn't get to that because these are all professionals and they've got all the resources they need to do what they have to do to succeed this year and they're just they're just not doing it and it's not Rick Renteria's fault but who knows you know but you make a valid point about the lack of energy in the dugout so I think that's all I got uh, for this episode tomorrow uh, we're going to break down uh, Luis Robert for episode three of Locked on Luis Robert we waited a week because we wanted to see if a lot of those struggles continued and they did but today big home run uh, looks like maybe he's coming around a little bit but we're going to walk you through everything uh, in the world of Luis Robert uh, tomorrow morning on Locked on White Sox you got anything else uh, left in the chamber um, I, I think we should have recorded right after game one because I know you were pissed off and I was pissed off we should have recorded in that little window but I just after watching that second game I feel like it took some of the wind out of our sales just just being beaten down by this team once again yeah energy is just like oh i just hate like i hate this team i hate my existence this saturday because it's like oh we could have had so much more done today like literally as people we could have just did something else if i known in future that they're gonna play like this i would have definitely done something else Oh man, I I'm just take, I'm uh, wasted a, Saturday. Like we these these Saturdays and Sundays are precious. Like and now it's gonna I feel rain. Like when we go to yeah, <laughs> when we go to work, 
on Monday through Friday. I love my job, but also I love some freedom. I love the ability to just go to sleep when I want to. I love to eat decent food. Like this is the, the weekends I get to eat the foods that I like because the week during the weeks I try to eat a little bit better. So these days I look forward to and the White Sox are ruining these days. And yes, White Sox can ruin my whole day. Like the rest of the day, I'll be in a lull. I'll, I'll snap out of it eventually, <laughs> yeah. but this is shit. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm taking the day off tomorrow, which of course means like, I, I, you know, we'll do the, the Lou Bob episode in the morning so people can have a little something to, to digest with their, with their Sunday morning coffee or, you know, maybe on their way running errands as, as I typically do on a Sunday. So you can hear about Luis Robert in the morning, but I think I'm going to take the day off from watching that game tomorrow and, and do something constructive. You know, like I just still did constructive things around the house today, but now it's like late in the evening and we I, I'm going to leave this pod and my wife's gonna be wondering what are we gonna do for dinner and it's gonna be non-stop questions and it's gonna rain and i don't have to go out and get food in the rain and it's just it's oh it drives me insane but i think i'm taking a breather tomorrow from the socks because i don't want to watch any more of this but um mailbag monday though it's approaching how can they get a hold of us for mailbag monday email us at locked on socks at gmail.com locked on socks at gmail.com to get on our Mailback Monday episode. We read them all. Not all make it to the episode. So get yours in right now. We already got a couple that we're going to definitely make the episode. So make sure that you get on for Monday. Uh, venture frustrations. Tell us about guys that you want to see more. Whatever you want to talk about. Questions, comments, anything. Lockedonsocks at gmail.com is the way you get to us for mailbag monday so that'll do it for this episode of locked on socks it's a sad double header sweep like the white Sox are the only team in the major leagues to play both a nine inning and a seven inning double header and get swept in both of them so it's been a bad time for double headers i don't want any more so stop fucking up wear your mask other mlb teams we had another weekend canceled uh series i think the pirates and the reds got canceled because of one red got COVID positive so Wear your goddamn mask. Be safe. I know it's not the fault of people necessarily if they do get COVID, but let's try to stop the spread of it so we can watch baseball. We can watch football later on. We can watch college basketball if we need to. The NBA is doing their bubble. Folks, just follow goddamn directions. It's easy. Hey, if if, if, uh, wearing a mask equates to watching college basketball, I'm I'm burying all my masks i'm throwing all my masks away <laughs> no one should have to watch college basketball come on now i know your are great i know your squads yeah. are going to be good but yeah by the way you mentioned the uh, the jim boylan thing earlier uh gotta show love to our guys jordan malley and matt peck of locked on bulls that's right they're our, uh, our our basketball sister podcast on the locked on podcast network if you're a bulls fan if you're a Sox fan you're you're probably a bulls fan right so they've got all sorts of exciting things going on over there at locked on bulls hit them up say hello tell them that we sent you and if you're looking for all bulls content you know their search for a new head coach all the exciting things happening in the bubble uh, you you want to go to locked on bulls right there because they, they're they're good friends of ours and, and especially jordan he's a co-worker of ours and he was you know we we talk about what's going on in the network and he, he he's been a great welcoming uh welcoming party to us as we join the Locked On Network. So he's a great resource, and they do a great job at Locked On Bulls. They're a monster over there. You probably already heard of them if you're listening to us. But, yeah, just go go do yourself a favor and check them out too. All right. So for Chris Tannehill, I am Herb Lawrence. This is a depressing episode of Locked On Socks.